We are continuing in the book of Luke this morning, and we've come to another one of Jesus' teachings on prayer. Uh, if you want to follow along, I encourage you to. Uh, there's a Bible under every chair. We're going to be on page 843. Or uh, you can use that Renovation Church app uh, right after you sign up to be baptized. Uh, you go over to Bible, tap weekly verses, and you can follow along there. So this is 843. Uh, prayer is our communication line with God, and so it's not unexpected that Jesus would teach on prayer often. And today, he's going to teach us on how to keep coming to him in prayer, even if he's not answering your prayers in the way that you expected. So we're going to start Luke chapter 11 now, uh, verse 1. It says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples, as John the Baptist. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Okay, passage starts, if you notice, Jesus is off somewhere, and he's praying. I just think the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, had to pray on earth should be proof enough to us that we need to pray too, right? And so the disciples, they see him praying, they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he gives them an example. Now, many of you that grew up in uh, Lutheran churches or Catholic churches, which is probably like 70% of you in this room, you, you grew up praying a prayer like this, right? The Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And you'll notice that there's some similarities here. That's like as pieces of the Lord's Prayer. If you go to uh, Matthew's Gospel, you'll see that Matthew even has more of the Lord's Prayer that you might be familiar with it. But familiar with, but you won't find all of the Lord's Prayer in Scripture as the church sort of added to it uh, over time. Uh, really here, what Jesus is doing, because they're saying, teach us how to pray, is he's giving them an example of the types of things that you should pray about when you come to God in prayer. Now, it's definitely not the worst thing if you were to pray the Lord's Prayer, right? That's a good prayer. But I think the greater point is that these are the types of things that we should pray about. That, that God is great, we have sins, right, and, and we could use some help. All right, A after Jesus kind of gives them content for what to pray about, he's going to tell them a story about the manner in which they should pray. So look at verse 5 now. It says, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has, has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, oh, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, so... Remember, this is all in the context of Jesus. How Teach us how to pray. And so he's giving me an example. And he said, you, you ought to pray like this man who went to his neighbor's house 
at midnight and ask for three loaves of bread. And so we're told that the man gets up in the middle of the night, even though he's going to wake up his whole family because they're just sleeping in a one-room house, and he actually gets up and gives the other man the bread. Why? It says, not because of his friendship, but because of his shameless audacity. Uh, audacity is, uh, if you're not as familiar with that word, it's when someone is so bold and so confident that they go forward anyway, sort of forgetting whatever the personal consequences might be. Now, if that sounds kind of like an intense way for you to approach prayer, like, oh, I'm just supposed to come at midnight, I think there's some context here that it's helpful. For instance, if you look, if you still have it in front of you, if you look at the last a few verses of the passage, that was 11 through 13, I think that helps us make more sense out of this. Uh, that's where uh, Jesus says, oh, if your kids ask for a fish, what are you going to give them, a scorpion? No, you're not. Of course not. If you know how to give good gifts, then of course the father to his children knows how to do that. Now, I think this is helpful because I think the story about asking for bread at midnight makes a whole lot more sense in the light of, if we're thinking about prayer, in the light of kids asking their fathers. Because think about this. Who do you know in your life that has a ton of shameless audacity in asking for things? Kids. All of them are kids, right? (laughs) Just children asking their fathers, just like Jesus said. In fact, what I want to show you this morning is I want to show you three ways from this passage that you can pray, that you should pray with shameless audacity, because that's what Jesus is teaching in this parable. And these are kind of three ways you'll often see the kids talk to their parents sometimes. So here we go, three ways to pray with shameless audacity. Here's the first one. When you pray, you should be shameless in your boldness. That means you're going to come not like, you're going to come in boldness to God in prayer. I mean, young kids are ridiculous when they ask for things, right? They don't share our tentativeness or our reservations when it comes to asking for things. Uh, For example, uh, imagine that uh, something uh, difficult happened in your life, right? And maybe it just happens out of the blue and you're having maybe one of the worst days of your life. And so you decide that you need to stop by our our church office and you're going to ask one of our staff members for advice or or for help. For a lot of us, it would probably take courage just to ask for help, right? We're not so good at that, to stop by and ask someone. And so you would get there and you'd walk in the door and you would see at the front desk our nice admin, kind of office manager, Becca, and you'd kind of get up the courage and you'd say, whoever you are asking for, maybe it was uh, me or, or Josh or Rachel or someone, say, are they in? Are they available? And you'd kind of wait there as she went back to check on them, right? You'd probably come with some tentativeness as you're looking for something. But my own children, once in a while, they'll stop by the church office, right? When they come in, they just sprint right by Becca, right? And they just run wildly right into my own office. And right away, they're like, you have some candy or anything? Can we go play downstairs with that youth group stuff? Or can we, right? I mean, actually, uh, two weeks ago, my three-year-old son, Lincoln, I was, I was in a meeting, actually. Thankfully, it was with a, a staff member. And I just hear these, you sort of hear the pitter-patter walking in, like, It's just running, and he runs into my meeting with his shirt off. <laughs> I go, what are you doing? Like, why is your shirt off? He said, it was raining, and my shirt got wet. Of course I took it off. <laughs> 
all right, <laughs> whatever, okay, right? But see, when it comes to asking for things, my children, they come boldly, right, with shameless audacity because I'm their dad, and they know that I love them, and they know that I want what's best for them. See, that's why Jesus is saying, when you pray, you know, come at midnight. You come at midnight, and you ask boldly because I'm your father, and I love you. But I think some of you, you this, that's not how you approach God. You're sort of stuck in this route and I, this rut, and I want to tell you it's unbiblical, where you're going, oh, I got some things I got to pray for, but I'm just, I'm not in a good spot with my faith right now, and I haven't been following Jesus that closely anymore, and I just, God, I don't know if I could talk to you right now because, well, I just want to be in a better place first. And he's saying, all right, maybe you've got some things to confess, but listen, you're still my child. I'm a child. Come. Come boldly. Come at midnight. I'm your father. That's how we should pray. Now, there's another part, I think, of this man's action in the parable that we could attribute to shameless audacity. See, it's not just that he was shameless in his boldness to go over to his neighbors at midnight in the first place. It's that his words actually had a shameless audacity to them. He says, hey, uh, I know your whole family is uh, sleeping right now, but I'm going to need you to lend me three loaves of bread. Right? <laughs> like, who says that, <laughs> right? But his words, you know, the man might have said, you mean like, uh, like tomorrow sometime for lunch? He's like, no, I mean like right now. <laughs> shameless audacity in his request. And so I think that's the second way that we pray that Jesus is teaching us. You should actually pray with shameless audacity in your requests. Because who else is shameless in their requests? Again, children are, in part, because they don't understand everything that's involved. Let me give you another example of this. I was talking with my kids, uh, this is maybe three or four weeks ago, and uh, my six-year-old twins started talking about Disney World because a couple of their friends have traveled there and went there, and they're kind of learning what it is. And we were talking about it, and I was explaining it, and, you know, I made it sound really great. And so, again, my three-year-old son, Lincoln, says, can we go to Disney World today? <laughs> That's a shameless request, right? It's utterly shameless. Why? Well, because he doesn't understand the intricacies of what it would actually take to get to Disney World today, right? And Jesus is saying, I want you to pray like that. Because, okay, what if the man in the parable would have had some shame? Okay, what if he wanted to save face instead, or maybe his reputation? Well, then he would have said, no, just let me think about it. This is going to be so inconvenient for this man to like wake up his whole family, and maybe he needs the bread, and I just can't see this working, and oh, I, just, I, just, I probably shouldn't go over there. And I think a lot of us, we kind of approach prayer that way. Like you think about the things that you need in prayer. Okay, maybe it's a family member's salvation who's just really far from God. Or maybe it's a healing you need in your life. Or maybe it's for God to change your spouse's heart. And we think, oh, man, that would just be that. That, that would just be so much. That would be so much for God to do. I mean, you have, do you have something like that in your life? And we think, oh, there would just be so much, so impossible. And so we don't even ask. And God is saying, I want you to come to me in prayer like a child who would say, can we go to Disney World today? He's saying, come to me with your request 
with shameless audacity because for me, nothing is impossible. And I want you to believe that and I want you to come to me in that way. Okay, there's even one more way, I think, from this parable that we can pray with shameless audacity as children of God. And that is the third way. That is that we should also be shameless because he's our father. We should be shameless in persistence. So again, think about this man. He asked for bread. And what does the text say? The person actually says, don't bother me. The door is locked. My kids are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. It's not going to happen. And does the man walk away? No, he doesn't. In fact, it's his persistence in shameless audacity that causes him to do what? To go, knock again, even though the guy already said no. See, a main part of shameless audacity is persistence. And who is more persistent than children? How many of you have kids like this where they say to you, maybe this happened to you yesterday even, they say, Mom, can we go to the park? No. Can we go to the park? No, I already said no, it's not, it's not going to work today, we've got a lot going on. Can we go to the park? Listen, it's hot, we're not going, can we go to, the- if you ask me one more time, can we go to the park, can we go to the park, can we go to the park, and finally you go, fine, we'll go to the park, just stop talking to me. That's what God is talking about, he's saying, you pray shameless audacity and persistence, that's what the man is doing at midnight. Hello, you still in there? He's praying with persistence. So you're to pray like that. You're to pray, hey, God, I need this to happen in my life. I just need you to come through. Hey, God, it's me again. Yep, yep, I was just here two hours ago, um, but I'm just coming to you again. Uh, I, really, I, just, I really need this to happen in my life. And see, so you're only actually going to do that if you first approach him like a child. and You understand that he's your dad. You know, one practical way that you can do that is you can come to our prayer meetings before our services. If you haven't been to one yet, they're just 15 minutes long, 20 minutes before every service in the cafeteria. I want to challenge you to try one out. Come and pray with us. This is the engine of our church every week. I want to challenge you to come at least once sometime in the next month. You know, when I think of a persistence in prayer, I'm reminded of George Mueller, whom from you can learn more from probably than any other person in history about the subject of prayer. Mueller... As a famous Christian in the 1800s, uh, once felt led to pray for the conversion of five specific individuals, five people that the Lord put on his heart that he should pray for, that they would be saved, that they would follow Jesus. So he committed to pray for them every day, you know, just real quick, right? It wasn't like he was on his knees for three hours for them, but that he would mention them in prayer every day, every single day until they got saved. And so he started doing this and would pray every day. Well, after 18 months, the first of the five was saved. Five years after that, the second was saved. Six years after that, the third was saved. But listen, that was roughly 4,500 days of praying in a row. The third person was saved. Forty years later, Mueller was about to die. But he wrote in his diary that he was still believing in God for those last two people because he said, God put them on my heart. He's going to come through. And he kept praying all the way till he died. And he died, and they didn't come to Christ. And wouldn't you know, within just 12 months of after Mueller's death, the final two come to Christ. God honors his persistence. God's not bothered by the fact that you keep asking. He's honored 
by your persistence that you come to him and you tell him of his goodness, of his faithfulness. You know, I think of my daughter. My daughter, God just wired her in such a way that she just, she loves a fairness and consistency. Uh, One of the things that I teach my kids often, we talk about this a lot in my home, is I just tell them that you've got to keep your word. And so if you say you're going to do something, you need to do something. And so sometimes she'll put that back on me and she'll say, hey, dad, can we go uh, play Legos uh, together now? And sometimes I'll say, hey, honey, like not right now. I just, I got to finish cleaning up or I got a lot to do and I just can't. And if I do that, sometimes she'll say, but dad, remember you said that after dinner we were going to play Legos and you always keep your word. <laughs> Whenever she says that, I just, I just crack a huge smile. And I was thinking about this, and I think it makes God smile too when we come to him with persistence and we remind him of his promises. And we remind him of his power. You know, Jesus tells us then in verses 9 and 10, for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. Ask, and it will be given to you. Well, the challenge is most of us, we read that verse, and then we immediately think of the exceptions to the rule. We think, well, I asked for this. Some of you are thinking, in fact, I I begged God for this, and he didn't answer. So what do you do with that? See, when we come to God and we ask him for something, like a good father, he sees your request and he's looking at you and he's saying, I just love that you love me. I love that you know that I can do this. But sometimes he looks at you and he says, but if you could see, my child, if you could see what I see, if you could know what I know, then you would know that right now, this isn't what you need. That sometimes God, even though you might be praying for a relationship and you're, you're, maybe you're dating someone, you're praying that it leads to marriage and it's just not happening, actually it feels like the relationship is falling apart and you're going to God, that God might be saying, listen, my child, if you could see what I see, you would know that if you were to get married that this would go so, so poorly. Just trust me in this. You know, this is a young church. My guess is in a room this size that there probably are a number of you that are struggling uh, even with infertility. That's a tough place to be. For a lot of people, you're coming to God. You're saying, God, if I'm asking and you're good, then why aren't you answering? We don't know. Perhaps he wants you to adopt. Perhaps he's saying not now. Perhaps God is, and remember, God is so intricate and sovereign in his planning. Perhaps he's saying, yes, but two years from now, because I've got a plan for your child in 2041. I actually need them to be at this college leading this. We don't know, right? We don't know what we don't know. I, I heard it said once, and I think this is a good thing to remember, that God always gives a person what they would have asked for if they knew everything he knew. So we still come to him with shameless audacity as a child would go to their father, but we remember that when when he answers our prayers, it won't always be by giving us everything we ask for. Sometimes his answers don't even look like answers. Sometimes you can pray for a promotion and lose your job. 
That's the kind of stuff people don't like to talk about. But what is that? Like, why would God, if God is a good God, why would God do such a thing like that? Okay, well, what does the text say in front of us? What did, what did Jesus say when he says, everyone who asks will receive? So what was Jesus picturing that you're going to receive? Does it say lots of comforts? What does it say? Look at verse 13. If you have it in front of you, what does he say? He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Okay, what are the good gifts? How much more will your Father in heaven give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. See, at the end of the day, God wants to give you something better than just circumstances that will make your life easier. He wants to give you more of himself. And sometimes the only way to get us to begin to depend on the Spirit, to grow in faith, to grow in character, to grow in perseverance, sometimes the only way to get us to do that is to not give us what we're asking for, and in fact, to give us something that we never would have asked for as a difficulty, suffering. But He is ultimately giving us what we need. In fact, what we would have asked for if we could have seen what he has seen. You know, I think of my kids. If my six-year-old makes a bad choice, I put them in timeout, or maybe you ground your teenager, right, let's say right away as it begins, they begin to plead with you, and they say, get me out of here. Don't you love me? I'm asking you to get me out. If you love me, you wouldn't do this to me. Would you answer my request? you don't, right? Because you know what they don't know. Right now, they need character. They need strengthening. They need to learn to walk the right path. You gave them a good thing. They just can't see that it's good. And see, this is the very junction where this piece of God knows more than us and also this piece from the earlier in the scripture of we should still come with shameless audacity, this is where it comes together. Because here's what happens. When you keep coming to God in shameless audacity, when you actually keep coming to him in persistence, what often happens is you begin, because of your persistence, to see what he sees. You begin to see his will. Uh, No one's quite sure who said it anymore, but there's an old quote that says this. I think this is helpful. The purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven. That's often how we pray. Like, God, this is my will. This is how I think life should go. Now, if you can make that happen, that would be great. He says, ah, the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. And the more you go to God every day in persistence, the more able he is to then inform you of his actual will. So it's like this. If you're going to God every day, knocking on the door, saying, hey, God, it's me again. Oh, this crazy thing has happened in my life right now. I know it's the 47th day in a row. God, by the way, why haven't you done this yet? What's going on? Okay, so what's happening? You're coming in persistence, but because you're there every day, you've opened yourself up. You say, what's what's happening? What's going on? And in those moments, because you're already at his feet, he is able to start speaking his will into your life. And you start hearing, you know what? Maybe I've been praying for the wrong thing. Maybe, Maybe you're doing... Something else, your God. He starts to teach you to be able to pray for his will. Because that doesn't happen if you're not coming to him. 
So what I want you to do this week is I want you, when you come in prayer, to picture yourself coming like a small child. When you pray, I want you to even picture yourself like you're three years old or four or five, and you're coming to your good father who you believe can do anything and who you believe that no matter what he does, it is good and it is right because he's your father and he's a good father. Let me pray. Uh, Lord, we just uh, we want to tell you now that we believe that you are good. You're not just some spirit in the sky or some force, but you are our Father. And you're so good to us, and you have been so good to us. God, as we sing now, as we respond from our minds and also our hearts, may we just praise your goodness. And may we just bring our request to you anew as a good father. It's in your amazing name we pray. Amen.